0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نون والقلم وما يصرون ما أنت بنعمة ربك بمجلون وإن لك لا أجرا غير ممنون وإنك لعلى خلوق عظيم فسات بصروب وي بصرون المفتون in a rabbakahua at la mubi men dola and sabili, he wahua at la mubil mohddin. Rubbishahli sodri, we are silly, amri, wahlu rok that a milisani of Kahu coli, Falhamdulilla was solatu was salamu ala rasulilla, wa wala Alihi he was happy, he had my name, thumbamabad. Asalamu alaykum rahmatullah, he were a Particularly Makkan surahs, you can learn after you learn the basic meaning of them you'll have a different enjoyment listening to them being recited. There's a rhythmic power to them that is indescribable. If you have the right reciter, the right reciter, and not recitation like studio recording recitation, I'm talking about like somebody leading salat recitation. It's something else. And it's, it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. And that's really how Qur'an is supposed to be experienced. We can learn about the Qur'an in dars we're not experiencing the quran in dars we're just learning about it experiencing the quran happens in salat that's the place where it's supposed to happen so you know one of the one of the reasons i am motivated to do this series and get it recorded is that when people are crazy enough one day come ramadan or before ramadan they'll study and study and study and they'll get their quran in order and then when they go and listen to the imam recite the juz they they get, you know, blown to bits spiritually. They just, they have this amazing experience when they're in the Salat. Because, you know, understanding it is one thing, but when, he, when you hear it recited, there's no one between you and Allah. Nobody, it's just you and Allah. And that's the joy of, you know, learning about the Qur'an. Is that, that then translates into ibadah for us. This is not just, you know, understanding and learning and knowledge and history and things like that. That's all very important in there. But it all, all at the end boils down to why we were sent on this earth to stand in front of Allah and Ibadah. That's it. That's what it, the summation of everything we are as a believer. You know what happens to people? It's very tragic. When you take the intellectual road, when you take the uh, learning, religious learning road for a long time, then it can actually start taking a hit on your soul. It starts, you just learn. You learn so much, and you're not spiritually moved anymore. You know. I'll give you guys a whole talk about my last, last week's experience. I had dinner with a rabbi last week. It was fascinating. It was about an hour and a half we sat and talked. And it was very, very interesting. But one of the things I'll share with you now is he studied law, Judaic law, Mosaic law, for about eight years at a seminary. Uh, in Brooklyn and then in Israel. He went, traveled, and studied. And at the end of it, he said, I've studied it so much... This is obviously basically their version of fiqh, and sharia. That's what he studied from their point of view, right? Like Orthodox, Hasidic, Jew, Rabbi. And he says, then I decided to go to the university academia to do a PhD in Jewish philosophy, because they don't teach Iman, they don't teach Aqidah, they don't teach, they don't just teach the laws. So I didn't even know why I was learning what I was learning after eight years of mastering it, right? So I went to study and my, you know, when you go from like a traditional school, this is a lot of parallels between what he said and what we have in Islam. So you have people that study traditional training, right? And they're about to go to university to do a PhD in Islamic studies. What are their teachers going to tell them? Good idea or bad idea? They're going to tell them, bad idea. You're going to learn from these people that are skeptics themselves. They're agnost, agnost, they're going to make you lose your, relig- your faith. So, his teachers would say, Don't go and study in academia. Why are you going? And he said, I'm going to find God. I'm going to find God. Really interesting, like, very interesting conversation with him. And I hope to have more with him, inshallah. To, I wanted to learn about their salat. I wanted to learn their daily adhkar. What, what do you people say? Because when he, when he sat with me, he, I'm telling you too much already, but he, you know, he washed his hands and he made like a two minute dua. He stood by the sink and he made a two-minute du'a. I want to know what he said. You know, they pray three times a day. And uh, it's really, <laughs> I put him on the spot a little bit. But they pray three times a day. They, they have a Fajr to luhur slot. You can pray a salah any time in between them. Then they have a luhur to Maghrib slot. And you can pray any time in between them. And then they have a Maghrib to Midnight slot. And you can pray any time in between them. Then, So what they do, most synagogues in the the world, they wait until the end of Asr, and they pray, and they wait five minutes, and the next slot comes in, they pray, and done. So they have the morning thing, and they have the two combined. So he told me what they do, and I was like, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose? Isn't that like against the spirit of it? And he smiled, and he took a couple of minutes, and then he told me, yeah, it does. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but I hope to have some really interesting conversations with him, inshallah ta'ala. I learned some cool things already. He really wants to learn about Islam. And um, I, I can't help myself. I'll tell you one more thing. Oh, man, are they racist. Oh, man. At least those people in the restaurant. I can't speak about the entire Jewish people. I don't know. We went to a kosher restaurant in Dallas, Texas. So me and a rabbi are sitting. It's like a joke waiting to happen, right? A rabbi and a Muslim guy sitting in a kosher restaurant talking about religion. So he's a rabbi, he's a scholar. You know, everybody knows him in the community. So people are coming over saying, Shalom, how's the kosher, whatever. You know, They're having conversations with him. And you know, it's a tiny little table. So it's me and him sitting there. And so they say hello to him, say, Hi, how you doing? They don't even look at me. One guy did that. I was like, okay, he didn't hear me. The other guy came from behind me, sat in, not in front of him, sat in front of me, like stood in front of me and talked to him. I was like, hey, how you doing? He didn't even look, just went. Six people did that. Yeah. Because you're, no, I'm Goyem. Gentiles? And in, like, this is their space, so you don't really belong. You don't really belong here, and we don't acknowledge you. And even the rabbi told me that I mean, we have a really deep deeply you know seated hatred for Muslims it's brewed into us fear and hate of Muslims which is not that different from us but it's much I mean it's a, we would, I I don't think I don't know I don't know any muslim in America that somebody would come and say hello and they wouldn't say hello back I don't know that that would happen with muslims I don't think so I'm pretty sure it wouldn't I mean you have to be really like psychotic to do that but we uh, there's a minimum human level of adab You know, so I really appreciated his courage in meeting me in a public space, in his space. And making it known that he's meeting a Muslim. It's a a courageous act on his part. it really is. You know, he attended the Waves of Unity program, he lost funding from some of his major donors, just for attending the Muslim program. Just for attending it. SubhanAllah. They're at another level. Forget conversing, if you're even seen next to a Muslim, you're a traitor. SubhanAllah. You know? And I, I, you know, my, my theory on all of this, why do I want to meet him? Well, I want to meet him because Musa a.s. is such a big deal in the Qur'an. He's so important in the Qur'an. Nobody's talked about more than Musa a.s. Did you know the five books of the Jewish Bible? You, you know, Torah? Five books? Four of them have to do with the Taseerah of Musa? Four of them. And when these ayat were revealed about Musa who was listening? More than anybody else? The Jews were. Didn't they already know about him? And isn't it true then that four out of five books of Torah, which is much bigger than Quran, it's much, much bigger than Quran, didn't the Quran take a summary of Sirat Musa and put it in the Quran? So what did Allah choose to mention and what did he not mention? What did he not mention? That they knew. Even if I don't agree with what I find in their Bible, I want to know what they have to say because that's how they were thinking when they heard Quran. They had their own religious training in which they knew about For example, just a small thing came up in conversation. When he went to the mountain, he was by himself herding sheep. I was like, no, he was with his family. He said he was by himself herding sheep, he saw a fire. I was like, one by himself. It was a family trip. He goes, really? Yeah. His family was with him. Told his family, I I see a flame. Things like that, right? So I want to know their perspective because that gives me, at least as a student of Qur'an, more insight into how was Allah communicating with people with that perspective. Because you have to understand their perspective to really gain an insight on how Allah chose to address them and how he summarized. You know, because Allah takes entire events of Jewish history and puts them in one line. You know, فَهَزَمَوهُ فَهَزَمُوهُ like four or five words to one line and it's like entire chapters of Jewish history. Entire chapters. Just summarized. That's what you call qalla wa dalla. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. But it, to me, that study means not just me reading a book. Me talking to a rabbi who's trained in it and saying, hey, so what do you guys believe about this? What about that? What about this? What do you say about that? I want to ask him. I want to hear what they have to say. So finding somebody like that to me opens up doors for me to understand the people of the book better. I don't see it as sitting with the enemy, don't trust them, what are you going to do, they might conspire. Dude, In Allah ma'ana, relax. Calm down. I wish to meet a priest like that, from a, you know, like at least one major leader of every major Christian denomination I would like to know. Just to understand their perspective. Like I had interaction with with some Christians recently and they told me, so what do you people believe about reconciling the holiness of God with His forgiveness? Because God is so holy, how do you reconcile that with His forgiveness? like, We don't have that problem. We never had that conversation. God is forgiving. And His holiness doesn't contradict it. Because their entire theology is God is so holy, He has to forgive. Because sin is dirty and He's too holy, so they made this like, Necessary forgiveness kind of You know, idea in their theology We don't have it We don't have it But I want to understand where they're coming from Because if you don't understand where they're coming from And they ask those kinds of questions You're like, well, we I don't know It's okay to say We don't have that question And therefore we don't seek its answer We never raise that question Because the prophets didn't raise that question It's fine the simplicity of our deen is a beauty in itself. The straightforwardness of it is a beauty in and of itself. You know, So inshallah, I do hope to do a, like a whole bunch of talks with him. On their prayer, on what they say, on their adhkaar, um on Musa alayhi salam, on Ibrahim alayhi salam, man huwa al fi man huwa al- I'll share with him. The book, you know, uh, the, the correct opinion and who was slaughtered, because they believe Isaac was slaughtered, we believe Ishmael was slaughtered. Right? So we're going to have that, that fun conversation, inshallah. Yeah, I, I hope to record it. I hope to actually sit him on a camera and record it. It would be the craziest thing. A Muslim and a Jew sat together and talked about faith. And it was not an interfaith meeting where they were trying to like, we all love each other. I told them, look, we believe different things. We've studied different things. I believe what I believe about the prophets. And I want to learn more about your perspective. I'm okay with disagreeing with you. And I'm sure you're okay with disagreeing with me, but that doesn't mean we can't exchange ideas or exchange what we know of each other. There's nothing wrong with that to me. I don't see any problem with it, you know. Why can't people who disagree in faith have civil conversation? What's so bad about that? I I don't know. But apparently it's revolutionary. (laughs) At least at kosher restaurants it's not very acceptable. It's not kosher at all. (laughs) But, Huh? Uh, he wants to. He wants to come visit. Inshallah. I asked him the names of the angels. Oh God, I'm telling you everything. <laughs> I asked him the names of, you know, uh, like, you know, because and Mikael and Israfil and all of them, they're actually he- Hebrew words that made their way into Arabic. They were originally, Il is actually one of the names of Allah in Hebrew. Right, so Israel also has the Eel at the end. This is, this is a mudaf mudafilay in Hebrew. Isra and Il. And Isra is actually a uh, verb turned into a noun. It's a fi'l mudari' turned into a noun from, from Hebrew. It means struggle with God. Al-jihad fi Sabilillah Isra'il. That's their study. That's what they call it. You know, so I asked them about Jibreel. And it's actually Jibreel to them. Jibri is from Jibreel. My strength is God. God is my strength, Jibreel. Things like that. I was like, well, that's cool. On Jabr, we have a concept of Jabr being power too. Right? Al-Jabbar has to do with strength too. So, so they have these, these interesting nuanced meanings in their studies. And I want to pull those out. Because that's of benefit to Muslims. Because there are Hebrew words that were Arabized that exist in the Quran. And they're a good source for that. Why not? Okay? Anyhow. Surah Al-Qalam wal والقلم يَصْطُرُونَ We've reached the last surah that has harf muqatta'at, harf muqatta'at, a single harf, there's qaf, there's saad, there's noon. A wa Allah swears by the, by the pen. I swear by the pen and I swear by whatever they continuously write. This is the qasam. The qasam has two, the, the muqsam bihi is two things the muqsam bihi the thing that's the object of the oath is the pen and whatever is written by the pen the ability to write pen the tool the device by which to write the pen and everything that they're writing down now the question is who's writing down because hum the zamir mustatir taqdiruhu hum that hum who is it referring to in the arabic language when a pronoun is mentioned in the third person there's an expectation that the noun to which it refers should have been mentioned before the noun should be mentioned before. I give you the kindergarten version of that. Once upon a time, there were five friends. They went to a restaurant. When you hear the word they, who are you thinking of? Five friends. Because five friends were mentioned, the word they makes sense. If you start they went to a restaurant, you don't know if there were five, you don't know if they were friends, you know nothing. The word they in and of itself is ambiguous, right? So the surah begins, I swear by the pen and what they write. So the question is, who is they referring to, hasn't been answered. It hasn't been answered. Which means Allah purposely left it open-ended. He made this subject to interpretation. Some say what the angels write on either side of our shoulders. When they write, when they document our deeds. Others say what the angels are writing when they document revelation from لَوْحُ Mahful to bring it down to the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, to give him revelation, to teach him revelation. Others say what the scribes of you know, Bani Israel and the scholars of the previous books, because the way they transmitted the book wasn't hivth. You know how we have the hivth tradition, we memorize? How did they transmit the book? They were writing the revelation down. They had an entire system of panels that wrote the revelation, the Torah and the Injil. They wrote them. right? So it's open-ended. But also... We have to keep in mind what it's referring to. This is the object of the oath. And as I've explained to you, the object goes on to prove the subject of the oath, the muqsam alayhi, the jawab al-qasam. The jawab al-qasam is, bi ni'mati rabbika bi majnoon. You, by the special favor of your master, are not insane at all. I swear by the pen, I use the pen as a proof, and I use what they write as proof, that you aren't insane at all. That's the bottom line of what's being said. Without the grammatical nuances, that's the bottom line. What does it mean? In the past tense, what it means, what they continually have been writing and continue to write, the Jews and the Christians and their scripture and what they've documented has enough proof already that what you're saying is a confirmation. You're not insane. There, the, the moving pens have themselves become a delil of you. The centuries of Jewish scholarship up until that point became a proof of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa by Allah saying, Nun wama wa as a delil. That's one perspective. Another perspective is how many books? How much will be written? Yasturun Mudarir covers not only what is being done now, what can be done, al-Mustaqbal right, the future is held in it too. How many books of scholarship? How many documents? How many books of fiqh? How many books of tafsir? How many books of aqidah? How many books of Islamic sciences are going to be produced as a result of this revelation? Your history will prove, the future will prove that you're not insane at all. What they're writing down, what the people will write down for generations to come, knowledge the way, it's going to, the, way the Qur'an is going to impact world knowledge, the philosophy of knowledge, how it's going to bear an impact on it, the world will—it's that itself will be proof that you're not insane. Time will tell that you're not insane at all. Some argue that the some ulama hold the opinion that the first seven ayat of this surah are the f- the second revelation. That the first seven ayat of this surah are the second revelation. First one being, إِقْرَأْ bismi رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ. Notice in the first revelation also, قَلَّمْ was there. You know, عَلَّمَ bil بِالْقَلَمْ. Right? And then when he came and he declared this revelation, some close to him thought he might have lost his mind. And so Allah sent him a confirmation. Noon, well wa Rabbi You're not insane at all. And ma is a refutation. It's not just a negation, right? You're not at all insane. Don't let anybody give you that idea. Don't you think it yourself either. The Prophet Sallallahu wasn't even sure. This is too traumatic an event. Even himself, he had to believe too. We think we have to have faith in him, he had to fa- have faith in himself. That's a- almost always forgotten. That the Prophet ﷺ had to have Iman in himself too. That he is in fact a messenger. That's not easy to believe if you're the only one saying it. Everybody else around you is starting to think you're crazy. And your wife who loves you says, no, 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 this can't be. Well, she loves you, so that's not too much validation. It's good support, but it's not, and everybody around you, the elders, the wise, people you've looked up to your whole life are all telling you you're crazy. I don't know, you might be willing to give them an ear. That's why when we get to Surah, uh, at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, bima wal The Messenger himself believed in what was sent to him, and the believers. He had to take a leap of faith too. He had to believe too. So Allah says, You're not insane at all. And you absolutely are going to have a compensation without any discontinuity. Discontin- discontin- uh, Mamnun comes from manna. Manna يعني qata'a. Mamnun bimana بِمَعْنَا مَقْتُورٌ غَيْر مَقْتُور. You're going to have a compensation that can't be stopped, it just won't stop. And the Prophet's ajr. The way it doesn't stop, on the one hand it's Akhira and the way Allah has given him maqam al mahmuda, the praise station that Allah has given his Messenger وسلم, we, can't, we can't even imagine But above and beyond that, every time somebody says Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam his Ajr is increased Every time somebody prays his Ajr is increased Every time somebody says La Ilaha illallah his Ajr is increased Every single Dhikr you and I make in our life he has a share in it because he's its teacher Every single good deed you and I have done as Muslims, every Muslim that's ever lived for the last millennium and a half on this planet, that has ever done any good deed, the Prophet has a commission in that deed. SubhanAllah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know when we say, Oh do this, it's sunnah. Do that, it's sunnah. Somebody enters their home and they just, you know, they make the du'a of entering the home. The messenger A.S.'s ajr rises. It rises. It rises, and his rank, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, incredible. It's incredible, you know. And we get to contribute to that. That's our honor. We get to contribute to the honor of our messenger, alaihi salatu wasallam. Wa inna kalala khuluqin and you, no doubt, are truly committed to an amazing character. See the Quran. What they write down, what they, what the angels write down, is proof. This is not coming from jinn, shayateen. I'll, I'll take you back to the, the muqsam bihi. If another perspective is, if that's the what the angels transcribe of the actual mushaf with Allah, the lawuh al they tra- they take a certified copy and then they deliver it down to the Prophet wasallam, and then Jibreel recites it to him, then that writing alone is proof that you're not insane. Look, look at where it's coming from. It's coming from the sacred pen. It's coming from that writing and it's written in straight lines. And on top of that, here's another proof that you're not insane at all. And you no doubt are committed to a very high character. You see, this ayah is proof that Allah Himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is impressed with the characteristics, the personality, the eth, the morals of the Prophet before Wahi. That's really important to note. Allah praises the morals of the Prophet before. He became a prophet and uses that as one of his proofs for his truthfulness. The fact that he's not insane is further validated by his awesome character as a person, as a human being before Islam, even. And khuluq is usually how you deal with khalq. khuluq is how you deal with what's khalq? Creation. Your dealings with creation make up your khuluq. You have great khuluq. You know how we say حُسْنُ الْخُلُقُ تَعَامُلُهُ مَعَ الْخَلْقُ How does he deal with khalq? What I'm trying to tell you is the Prophet's great quality that Allah says qualifies him, first of all protects him from being declared insane, and second of all even qualifies him for wahi is his great, awesome, incredible character. I argue that Muslims have forgot, we love the book, we recite it, we memorize it, we teach it, we talk about it But what's missing from underneath is the character of Muslims Our business dealings, our political dealings, our social dealings, our economic dealings All of them are missing moral character And you don't need advanced degrees in fiqh to have morality You just need to have a conscience You need to have a human conscience And that's stripped of the, the Muslim community I mean, study the statistics of the most corrupt nations, the, most, the, the nations that download the most filth on the internet, the nations that are, I mean, any level, at any level. At any level. Where's the khuluq? Where's the khuluq? I mean, I'm, I'm burning still. I still haven't opened my mouth, really, about what I saw in Makkah. I haven't opened my mouth. I will. I'm still I'm letting it simmer some more. Then I'm going to open my mouth about it. But that's. You know, the, the, the recitation of Qur'an, the beautiful masahif, the marble castle-like haram, it's so awesome. And you go two streets down, and people don't know how to talk to each other. People don't know what it means to stand in a line. The religion of lines. The religion of lines. The closer you get to the house of Allah, the more you'll start losing your Islam. The closer you get to haram, the more elbows start being thrown. I'm looking at Jabal Noor. The mountain where revelation came. And I'm standing in a pile of trash. I'm standing in a in a street. Not in a garbage, I'm in a street. Because Muslims don't care where they throw trash. Where's khuluq? Where's khuluq? The, the adhan for dhuhr is being given, and you're walking into the masjid, but you're walking through like 20 little kids either trying to sell you calendars or that are bodily deformed and they're begging you what happened is this is the capital of islam what's there's something missing here there's something seriously wrong and we're not thinking about it you know i met a i met a pakistani driver i don't know if i told you the guy started crying his heart out we had an hour and a half drive from medina or no from makkah to jeddah to the airport. The guy started, like he has nobody to talk to. It was just me and him in the car, in the van. And he's crying his heart out. He's like, you know, there's some neighborhoods. I can't go there because they know that they look at you and they know that you're Desi or whatever. And they throw rocks at you. And I was like, no. He's like, yeah, I've replaced my windshield twice. I can't take contracts in that neighborhood. I was like, what neighborhood is that? It's not Makkah, is it? He goes, yeah, Makkah. I was like, no. Makkah? It can't be. He goes, yeah, I was like, which neighborhood? You know those apartments right under Jabal Noor? Don't go there alone. I was like, oh, my jaw dropped. That mountain is a witness. That mountain's not going to testify. That mountain's not going to testify. Quran came there. The, the religion that came to clean up humanity. <laughs> Subhanallah. Our, our deen is founded. The messenger was chosen because of his awesome character. It's gone. I don't blame, like... Meccans alone. The the ummah, just the state we're in. Just the state we're in. Subhanallah. We just, where there's so many fundamentals missing. Just the the basic, basic things. And we have to revive. This also addresses another modern, uh, you know, fake controversy. We have to take Qur'an seriously. But sunnah, I mean, come on, it's not really that important. Or let me tell you how people that don't want to come out and say it, say it. Is that in the Qur'an or is that a hadith? So you say something, is that really in the Qur'an or is that a hadith? That's their way of saying, if it's not in the Qur'an, then don't bother me with it. Right? Allah didn't just validate the Qur'an itself. When He said, "Qad anzalna ilaykum What was the of bayan of it? Rasulan. Right after, Rasulan, Here, it's not even revelation. Your character is awesome. And that's even before Qur'an came. If you believe in Qur'an, then you have to believe what Allah makes a big deal out of something, it should be a big deal to you. The character of the Prophet his ethos, his mannerisms, his life is a big deal. Because Allah made it a big deal. فَسَتُبْصِرُونَ Then soon you're going to see. وَيُبْصِرُونَ And they will see also. بِأَيِّكُمُ الْمَفْتُونَ You'll see which of you is the one that's lost their mind. مَفْتُونَ actually also is a word for مَجْنُونَ but means because of the hawadith, because of incidents, somebody loses their mind. Traumatic events you know very disturbing things that happen and you lose your senses that's maftoon soon you'll find out who stands where inna rabbaka a'lamu biman an sabili. no doubt your master knows better who's miss, who's off his path wa huwa a'lamu and he's very well aware of those or he's better better knowledgeable of those who are committed to guidance fala then don't obey and don't pay any attention to those who try to nullify your message by calling it a lie who call you a liar don't take influence from them what do they really want that you would soften up a bit adhana yudhinu idhan comes from duhun duhun actually means oil when you take like hard vegetables and you you know you put them in oil and you fry them or whatever and they soften up this is called idhan And the idea is when you talk to somebody and you try to soften their position, negotiate. Negotiate with the enemy to soften. We'll give a little, you give a little. Compromise. This is called idhan. So he says, the enemies of Islam, all they want is for you to soften your stance a little bit. Because you know the stories, you've heard them since Sunday school. They came to the Prophet and said, what do you want? Women? You want to be our tribal leader? Go ahead. You want money? We'll get you piles of money. Just stop this. Or how about we, you know, in the daytime, we can worship your God, nighttime we can do our thing. Let's just work something out. I mean, we're, we're the same. But Quraysh, right? At the end, Quraysh got to stick together. Come on. Allah says, do They want, you give a little, so they give a little. You soften a little, your stance, they'll soften their stance. Okay, okay, we'll stop calling you insane. Okay, I know that hurts. I'm not, I know I'm sorry. You put us in that position. But if you just kind of work with us a little here, we can, I think we can all come to a happy resolution. That's what they want. And you will see, by the end of the next surah, what Allah offers if you even dare think about compromise. The the strongest language in the entire Qur'an to the Prophet It's so strong, Allah doesn't even address him, He talks about him. It's a kind of tabi'id also. But the language itself, it's hard to translate. It is hard to translate. When you read those words, you just think... (laughs) And somebody thinks that consciously thinks about compromising principles of Deen, they should just read those ayat. But anyway, we'll get to that eventually. The other meaning of adhana is to speak to somebody softly even though you hate them. In other words, you're trying to make them feel like you're their friend, but you're not their friend at all. You're just giving that impression. Just to deceive and you know play politics. What do Wa la And don't follow anyone who keeps taking oaths. Keep swearing, like, guys negotiate. I swear, I mean we're, we're one people, I mean well for you, I'm looking out for you, I swear to it, I swear to it. The guy swears over and over again. This is hallaf. where's Fatir? It's a mubalagha, Fatir, Hallaf. got it? وَلَا تُطِعُ hallaf and Half means oath, Hallaf means the guy takes oaths over and over again. Then you know, then the word mahin. Mahin is actually a very insulting word in Arabic. A very insulting word. Waleed ibn Mughira, is, most Mufassirun say this ayah is about Waleed ibn Mughira. Others say it could be about anybody because, you know, it's Umum laf it's general language. But Waleed ibn Mughira was well-off, wealthy, status, you know, holding quite a bit of status, known as a great debater among the, among the Quraysh, also had very strong sons. Among his sons, Khalid ibn Waleed, right? So he was known for, you know, and of course in the Arab land, You know, your status is one thing, your wealth is one thing. On top of that, having strong sons is again another status rise for you because sons were a commodity at the time. Yarrahmanuka Allah. But by calling him Mahin, Mahin is used for camels that can't get the she camel pregnant. Like they're not really strong males. (laughs) It's an insult in Arabic. Al Mahin also al fajr, sinful. Al fa'il al min al min al muhana al al it's also used for someone whose opinion matters little they have light opinion they don't really have substance to what they're saying rajulun mahin muhana we say in quran we find in quran ma un mahin ma means wa so two things little and weak so allah says this guy's arguments are weak his stance is weak his positions are weak. He may enjoy you know social status. He may enjoy popularity, but if you actually look at him for his substance, it's weak. It's nothing. mahin. Any of them, all of them are are, are the same. Hammazin. These people are condescending over and over again. Another mubalagha. Hammazin. Like fa'alin. You know the surah wail? Humazatin. Lumaza humaza is also a mubalagha hamas is also a mubalagha of the same root. condescending towards others saying something about other people mashaa bin Namim. walking around saying things about people that they shouldn't be saying namma bi fulanin wa bi fulanin wa ala fulanin yani akhbarahu bima yasu'uhu. fa sadrahu you know namim means to speak about somebody in a way that would hurt them or make them look bad and also something that would really offend them so to say offensive things about other people this is namima right Hammaz in this guy goes around insulting people putting people down and talking about people in a negative way manna'in lil khair this guy and all of these are fa'al right so you have hammaz, mashah manna' over and over again he stops people from doing any kind of good lil khair mu'tadin the guy who goes over limits this is also an ism fa'il by the way اعتدى يعتدى Can you try this? This is naqis which you practiced last week If you remember اعتدى يعتدي اعتداء فهو This is Mutadin. Okay the, the majroor of it And the marfuor of it are both mutadin, And the Mansub of it is what? معتدية And the ya comes back Right? So Mutadin أثيم Mutadin أثيم The one who crosses the limit And is constantly in sin the word athim is very powerful here, athim is fa'il. Remember fa- ism sifah? Ism sifah has constancy in it. لم yaqul Athim Athim ism fa'il The one sinning But the one in sin constantly would be athim athim Like you know someone who is for example uh, uh, jalis, jalis. Someone sitting, it's not permanent though It's not, it's not permanent but someone who has a permanent seat, like a status or a reserved seat, is jalis. Jalis, it's permanent now, it's set. Why is the theme mentioned? Because look at his qualities. First of all, he swears all the time. He ha- he is you know a humiliated, low opinion, but he spreads his opinion. He speaks down to people. He goes and spreads rumors about people or says bad things about them. He forbids others from doing good. He crosses limits. In all of these things, is the evil limited to himself or goes to others too? It goes to others. So even when he's sleeping, the consequences of his evil are spreading. He's constantly in sin. He's earning what you call nowadays in business terms passive income. (laughs) He's passively earning sin. Even when he's not sinning himself. The consequences of his sin are spreading. This This is what makes him a theme. عُتُلٍ in ذَلِكَ And he's unlikable. He's, عُتُل actually is a, another kind of مُبَالَغة It's rare. فُعُلٌّ actually means to be tough, to be rigid, to not be someone you want to get along with, do not be someone you want to get away from. You know how you have, some people have bosses that are really mean and nasty? And like, they're, you, Alhamdulillah, they're usually not in the office, but when they are, you're like, Oh God, I, don't, I hope he doesn't come to my desk. I hope we don't have to have a conversation. Because he's just horrible, hurtful, mean things come out of his mouth and he's just not the kind of human being you want to interact with. There are people like that in the world. There are people like that in your high school class. There are teachers like that sometimes. <laughs> there are, you know, there are bosses like that. There are, there are older siblings like that. They're just mean. Just mean people. You know what they use it for? Atalahu ila sijin Atalahu ila السِّجْنِ they use that for when you take a prisoner, when the guard takes a prisoner, grabs him by the head, and drags him into his cell. Like that nasty guy, is the, that fi'l is Atala. عُطُول is used, this guy has no courtesy for anybody, doesn't care about anybody, doesn't care whose feelings he hurts. He's extremely unlikable. بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ زنيم. And then on top of that, he's zanim, zanim is a play on words. It could be humiliated, zanim and other meaning of uh, zanim it comes from the word muzannam al muzannamu min al ibl al al taraf al bil karam they say that al muzannam is the kind of camel whose ear is cut they chop the side of the ear and they do that as of, out of a like this is a graceful camel it's been its ear has been marked and because it's been marked it shouldn't be slaughtered so this is a symbol of graceful animal he's being called Zaneem in that he thinks he's so graceful, like nobody can touch him. He's above criticism, like that camel that can't be slaughtered. l'in They say, uh, or, wasm." They say this guy's branded by evil, like the, that camel is branded by cutting the ear. This guy is branded by evil itself. And that's what he really is. An kana da malin wabanin. He thinks he's so untouchable because he's been someone who possesses money. And has sons. I mentioned who was among his sons. You know, Khadib Walid. When our ayat are continually read on to him, over and over again, he says, Asatirul awaleen. Asatir comes from ustura. Ustura means legend. Ustura means legend. And actually comes from the Greek word ustoria, which is the English word story. They're actually all from the same origin. Asatir, ustura is from story. So they're, they're tied in their origins. Anyhow, asatir means legends. Asatirulawadin, they're legends of old timers. That's all this book has. Sanasimuhu ala al Khurtoom. SubhanAllah. We will brand him on the trunk. Sanasimuhu ala al khurtum. Khurtoom is the trunk of, a, of an elephant. Khurtum is also used for people that have unusually large noses. But actually, the real figurative meaning of Khurtum in Arabic literature is they say خَرَاطِيمُ الْقَوْمِ خراطيم الْقَوْمِ يعني أَكْثَرُهُمْ إِسْتِكْبَارًا فِي الْأَرْضِ الْقَوْمْ أَكْثَرُهُمْ إِسْتِكْبَارًا The most arrogant people in a nation are called the noses of the people, <laughs> the trunks of the, the, the village, or the trunks of the nation. You know why? Because they're stuck up. Hmm. Nose up high a little. I'm gonna put their head, you know, humility head down, but your nose is high, you're full of yourself. What's going on? You know, just head up high. So, this idea of nose being up high is associated with pride. And so, Allah says, I'll brand his pride. I'll put a brand on his nose. We will brand him on his nose itself. We are, we've tested them no doubt about it just like we tested the people of the garden this is the other story of the people of the garden suratul kahf was the first one this is the other story this is more intense than the one in suratul kahf these guys got it worse but they, they both have a good ending that's the good thing about it kama balawna al jannah like just like we tested the people of the garden when they swore, they are going to chop it all up, meaning the garden. They're going to cut everything down when they rise up in the morning. Musbihin is hal here. Asbaha yusbihu isbahan. Musbihin, the ism fa'il usually comes as a hal. So as they rise in the morning, they're going to cut everything up. Now, sarama in a sarim is one of the words for sword or machete, like a blunt sword. And this is the kind of thing that's used. For cutting out fruit and branches and farmland, like when you're gonna harvest day basically. So, nighttime, they're like, morning comes, I swear, earliest morning, earliest hours of the morning, musbiheen, we're gonna just cut everything up really, really quickly. Wala yastathnoon, and they're not gonna be made, they're not gonna make any exceptions. They're gonna cut everything, they're gonna not miss anything. Fatafa alayha ta'ifun, min rabbik. Then, at nighttime, the night before, it's implied, they, a group, a ta'if, a ta'if means a group that comes around. Ta'fa yatufu, like we do talaf of the Kaaba, a, a group hurled down. Now you know we, we think of like tornadoes coming down. They spin down. So it could be a tornado that came down. It could be, Allah sent angels just swirling down to their garden. Wa hum So this, this ta'if came from your master and while they were all what? Wa hum They were all sleeping. While they were asleep. This is jumla halia. now, while they're asleep. So they swore that, oh, early morning, we gotta go, we gotta go, quickly. asbahat kasareem. Then, by morning time, it became, it became like it's already been cut up. kasareem <laughs> Sareem also means you can't, the, all, all the plants are cut from their roots. You know, it's one thing when you chop off a garden, you chop off the leaves or the branches that have the fruit in them, or you pluck the fruit itself, or you cut it from the top, especially in a garden that's not a, that's not a farm. It's a garden, so you have trees, etc. But sarim means, the, the word sarim is used when the entire garden, it's by the way fa'il in the meaning of maf'ool, right, Masroom in the sense, when the whole thing is plucked from the roots, which means all the trees, all the fruits, all the, all the plants are useless, they can't be used next year again. It's done. You have to replant everything now, start over again. How long does it take for a tree to regrow? Decades, you know. So all that investment overnight disappeared. Then they started calling each other early in the morning. They don't know what happened. That's like a mile down from their home. They're at home. They wake up. Tanado. They started calling each other. By the way, نَادَى يُنَادِي نِدَاءً وَمُنَادَةً فَهُوَ مُنَادٍ is to call. Tanada فَهُوَ مُتَنَادٍ What does that mean? To call, to call each other. So they called each other in the morning. Hey, come on, come on, come on! It's time to go. It's time to go. <laughs> let's go later, a little later morning cuz they're calling each other in the morning implies they woke up a little late <laughs> cuz they were supposed to be cutting musbihin right but they're only waking each other up musbihin so at least let's go by uh, ghadwa time ghadwa is the later part of the morning it's the third hour of the morning cuz okay, so there's three so there's sabah there's ishraq and there's ghadat okay and ghadwa is the later part of the morning okay so, at least before noon hits, let's just get there. And march forward, later morning towards your, towards your harth, towards your crop. In kuntum salimin, If you're going to get this done, you better get this done earlier in the morning. Because later on in the afternoon, the beggars show up, the poor people show up. And if they see us carrying our swords heading towards the farm, they realize it's harvest season. So they'll tag along, hoping for some sadaqah. So, come on, let's just... Quickly go, So they marched forward. Wahum and they're all talking to each other very quietly, hiding their, their you know their swords and cutters and whatever. And they're just like, hey, just talking quietly. Like, I can't wait till it happens. It's gonna be so awesome. Did you see the fruit last yesterday? It was amazing, wasn't it? Shh, they might hear you. These neighbors might hear you. What are they afraid of? The poor people in the village might show up. You know this concept. We wanna we wanna uh, see the wealth. But we don't want to see it while poor people are around, because I want to keep it to myself and I don't even want to get them the idea that I might give them something because I might feel bad and actually give them something. So let me just keep it hidden. right? This happens in, even in, Mus- in the Muslim context, Allah gave very similar advice during inheritance law. you know you know when those people just show up, at the time of dividing the inheritance, some yatama show up, some masakeen show up, some other relatives show up. Then give them. وَقُولُوا Just give them something and say good things to them. Like, oh man, I was going to get the inheritance today, where do these people come from? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Be nice to them. And in the next ayah, even in, that, in Surah Al-Nisa, Allah said, what are you going to happen if you... Well, what would happen if you were gone and your parents were... The, your children were standing in line like that tomorrow. You know? That's what Allah told them. So now these farmers are going and they're whispering to each other, Hey, don't let anybody come and beg you today. No poor people. We don't want to do that. Last time too many of them showed up. We don't want nothing to do with these masaken. Not a single one. Miskinun Mufrad. لَا It's a strong warning. Like they're whispering to each other. One guy grabs the other's arm. He says, لَا not, not, not this time. Alaykum miskin, And they don't want any one of them to have any connections with poor people because if one shows up, he might bring his friends. And if one shows up and gives, the other might feel the social pressure to give. So nobody give anybody, okay? They're warning each other. Very strong warning. And they march forward later in the morning. With ala har, this is again a kind of hal, to leap forward, to go look angry. You know, somebody's going to work or going towards something and they look angry? The thing of it is, let me tell you something about like beggars or street peddlers or children and things like that. They look for a nice person. A person is like smiling or they don't look like they're gonna hit somebody. They might have a chance to get something out of them, so they'll go ask them. A guy looks like he looks like he's about to beat somebody up. So even if muske- muskeen wouldn't bother asking. He's like, I'm going to get punched in the face. You know. Just leave this dude alone. So these guys took a tough stance. Qadireen, completely in control. Marching forward towards their, their, their farm. And they wanted to take that aggressive stance. So nobody even thinks about coming in and approaching them. Then when they saw it, and finally, falamma, falamma is actually, it, it's more than ida, it's more than idh. F- eventually, when they finally the walk is done, and they finally got there, they saw it, qalu, they said, inna Oh, no, no, we got the wrong address. We are absolutely lost. I don't know, where we took a turn, because this ain't our farm. We are not in the right place. Oh, then it's settled in. Bal nahnu mahrumun. We have been deprived. We've been bankrupted. I can't believe it. How are we deprived like this? So the first shock was so heavy, they thought they're in the wrong place. <laughs> then it settled in and we've been we've been robbed. We've been deprived. <laughs> Something has been made haram from us. Meaning we, 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 we don't have access to it. <laughs> the more level of them, the most level of them, the most balance of them, who caved obviously into their, their pressure because they were giving such strong warning. Finally he opens his mouth and says didn't I say to you how come you guys don't make tasbih how come you don't do dhikr of Allah how come you don't do shukr this is not just about a farm guys before I move on with the story it's not just about a farm you have a contract that's been signed the check is about to come in it's going to come in in a week you're already celebrating and already thinking where all the money is going to go and the last thought on your mind is you should go to somebody in sadaqah and there's no shukr there's no hamd The first thought here was supposed to be a portion of it as a show of gratitude to Allah because that client that you just secured, that contract that you just got, that promotion or that bonus check that you just got, all of those things are gifts from Allah. And as a proof to yourself, I truly believe this is a gift from Allah, a portion of it absolutely goes to sadaqah. Spiritually in my mind, I don't want to have another way of looking at it. A portion of it will absolutely go to sadaqah. And on top of that, as this is coming, I should do more and more what? Tasbih. I should declare Allah's perfection. I should remember Allah. Because the, the money that comes, it can become a source of guidance, and can also become a source of misguidance. By the way, earning money through a farm, is that halal or haram? It's halal. They're earning halal money. There's nothing wrong with the they with they're earning their money. But it's an attitude problem. They, not, a, not a single fiqh site in the world will tell them that they earn haram money. No mufti will tell them that. There's an ethical, there's a moral, there's a character problem. They don't want to give a part of it. And they don't want to remember Allah. These are spiritual issues. And Allah takes those spiritual issues and sometimes teaches very hard lessons. It's like these people, the only way they would have learned is when all of their wealth is taken away, then they realize it was coming from Allah. So if you don't want that to happen to you, realize before it happens to you, it's coming from Allah. Have a portion of that for the poor. You know? It's a very important thing to instill in ourselves and into our children also that whenever they give a gift, a portion of it should be given to sadaqah. So it's a good habit to just build in a, in a personality. It's a good habit. Like they get, you know, in Desi because they get Eidi, $20. Give loose change to your kids. Don't give them a 20. Give them like, you know, four fives. So they can give a five away. They give it in sadaqah Because it's going to be hard for them to give 20 up. You know, that's going to be hard. Don't put them in that position. Like, but I want to raise Abu Bakr. If I want to raise Ahmad, I'll just give him two tens. No, I'll give half their earnings. <laughs> just give them smaller bills. Let them give, though, and encourage the giving. And we should do that ourselves, big or small. Don't miss an opportunity to give. And all of us should look for people in our actual social circle that need. You know, it's good to help, you know, humanitarian causes, people that are starving in different parts of the world. There's plenty of those, no doubt about it. And it's good to help those causes. But diversify your Akhira portfolio. give to strangers that you've never met online with a secure donation and all of that, fine. But also give people you know. People that have lost their job. People that are having a hard time paying their rent. They're not going to come and ask you. They're not going to be on some website. The only way they could have been helped is through you. تعرفهم بِسِيمَاهُمْ You're going to recognize them by the bulges on their foreheads. The stress on their faces. And you don't have to call it sadaqah. You can write a thousand dollar check and just say Eid Mubarak and give it to them. And that is for the kids. That's it. Just say that and give it quietly and just slip it in there. Don't embarrass them about it. Don't say, you know, this is فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Because, you know, you are from the مَحْرُومِينَ And don't do that. Just be a decent person and help people out. Especially nowadays. The economy is bad, right? People have lost jobs. People are having a hard time go to school. People are having a hard time keeping the lights on. And this is not just Muslims. You have neighbor, neighbors, in your communi- neighbors in your community that are having a hard time. Find out who's having a hard time, help them out. No strings attached. No, no. First you read this illustrated guide to understanding Islam, and then I've got a $100 check for you, OK? No, no, no. Don't put conditions on it. Don't attach it to da'wah. You just do this because you should do this. You should help people. That's it. That's an that's an act of ibadah in and of itself, not necessarily tied to da'wah. not tied to anything else. قَالَ أُسَاتُوهُمْ لَمْ أَقُل لَكُمْ لَوْنَا تُصْبِحُونَ قَالُوا سُبْحَانَ رَبِّنَا إِنَّا كُنَّا ظَالِمِينَ Then this is Subhan, how perfect our master is. We were the ones that were wrong. فَأَقْبَلَ بَعْضُهُمْ عَلَى بَعْضٍ يَتَلَوَّمُنَ Then they started facing each other, blaming each other, sharing the blame. تَلَوَّمَ يَتَلَوَّمُ What? تَلَوَّمَنَ فَهُوَ متلاومun. متلاومun. from laum. Laum means blame. Lama yalumu, Lauman means to blame. They started blaming each other. It's your fault. And you you are the one that woke late. Woke us up late. You are the one who didn't get up. This and that. And they're just all going back and forth. And finally, they realize. They come to their senses. Qalu ya They say, Oh, I don't know how to translate ya Sorry, I can't do it. I can't say what one to us. I, that's not even close. It's not even close. It's not even in the same neighborhood. Ya wa'ilana is part of the proof that ancient languages were far more eloquent and expressive than modern. Ancient languages had ways of communicating grief the equivalents of which are for us being speechless. <sighs> we have nothing. We don't, woe unto us is not what this is. Nobody says woe unto us when they're serious and they're seriously grieving. You know, they don't say that. They wail, they cry, they scream. Yeah, wailana. Wail, by the way, the most uh, her, uh, unimaginable, horrific punishment. The worst thing possible has happened to us. Inna kunna no doubt. We were the ones that were rebelling all along. rabbuna an yubdilana khayran minha. Perhaps our master will replace for us something better than this garden. So at the end of it all, they're still tawakkul. They turn back to Allah. And of course, because the garden had been uprooted, the only one who can bring that back is Allah. So they recognize Allah's power now and they say perhaps Allah will bring it back to its you know something better than this even. Inna ila rabbina rahibun from here on onwards we're not looking forward to our next harvest we're looking forward to Allah we're inclined towards Allah. and an there are two verbs that are opposites in Arabic. Raghiba ila means to be inclined towards someone. Raghiba an means to be turned away to to be repelled from someone. You don't want anything to do with them. Like when people don't want anything to do with the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi Allah says, سَفِي- Who would turn away from the legacy of Ibrahim? Who would be turned off by Ibrahim's legacy? إِلَى, like Illa Rabbi we're only gonna be inclined towards our Arab from now on. Adab. And that's what punishment is like. Meaning that kind of punishment can come even in dunya. And so in the previous surah, Allah Azza mentioned different forms of punishment that Allah hasn't sent to Quraysh. Winds, earth, water being removed. And in this, even if you have gardens, gardens can be eliminated. That's what punishments are like. akhirati akbar, And the punishment of the akhirah is even, the afterlife is even bigger. يعلمون, had they any clue? jannat naim. No doubt, for the people who have taqwa in the company of their master, they are going to have gardens full of permanent blessings, Jannat al-naim, gardens of permanent blessing, permanent luxury, naim. This again, sifa, which means that we are there's never going to be a a point in jannah where there's going to be a downtime. Afanaj al-Muslimin Are we going to just make criminals like, you know, uh, Muslims like criminals? We're going to put them in the same place? You know in Western philosophy, they say, they say, even a poet says in English, the earth is the final leveler. The earth the leveler. What does that mean? All human beings, whether you are a king, you're a queen, you're a janitor, doesn't matter. Once you're done, you are still under the earth. You're, we're all equal under the earth. But Allah says, no, you're not. It just looks that way. People will go under the earth, but the Muslims and the criminals will not be the same. What's wrong with you? How do you make that decision? How do you make that call? lakum kitabun, do you have a book? Fihi Tadrusun in which you study, you study these conclusions? In nalakum fihi lamata And in that book there's all the things that you choose, that you get to pick. In other words, you come up with a worldview of your choice, because you're the owner of the ultimate truth. lakum aymanun alaina. Or are you so deluded that you have an oath? a contract a, you know a promise from god from us binding upon you ila qiyama that extends until and is that contract that oath is mature until the day of judgment do you have some kind of security from me that i'm not going to punish you inna tahkumun and whatever decisions you're making are going to go in your favor ask them za'im which of them has such confident assumption about these things? Which of them has absolute proof in their world view? Am Is it the case then they have other partners? Others that can help them out on judgment day? Then let them bring their partners. in Kanu صَادِقِينَ If in fact they're telling the truth. Yawma yukshafu an The day on which the, you know, the saq is the front part of the foot. The ankle. When that will be exposed, when the ankle will be exposed, this is from the mutashabihat of the Quran, and there is a figurative origin to it. They say قيل أصله من قامت الحرب على ساق أي the one when somebody shows their ankle, meaning they're mar- to, marching towards the enemy, and they rise their you know, their pant or whatever rises as they're running towards the enemy. The ankle is exposed, which means they're about to attack that's one the way, one way it's implied another is it's some form of allah azza wa jalla showing his tajalli on judgment day showing his glory on judgment day that we cannot understand now so we just leave it be yawma yukshafu an saqin. but when allah manifests his glory and his power then wa yud'auna ila sujud and they will be called to do sajda when people see the glory of allah people are going to fall in sajda but these people falayastati'un even though they're going to be called to sajda they won't be able to do it Allah will not give them the ability to do such that even when his glory is manifest. Their eyes are gonna be filled with terror. Khashiatan absaruhum, tarhaquhum Humiliation and burdens. Burdens, back breaking, backbending burdens are gonna get piled over and over and over them, one after the other. Rahaq is layers of burdens. Rahaqahul Amr, they say when you have too many problems and you're buried under them. Rahaqah, this issue buried him. He can't deal with it. These back-breaking burdens are going to stack up on top of them. And these, and these were the very people that used to be invited to do sajda. They used to be invited to put their pride down. And they were well and sound. They were totally fine. They were completely capable of doing so. Meaning, Allah says, now they're impaired, right? Now they're paralyzed. They can't make sajda. But they were salim before. They were totally fine before. When they had the option of making sajda, fadarni, Then leave me. الحديث, and whoever lies against this speech, whoever calls this speech a lie, leave me and him. You know this leave me is actually the, one of the worst manifestations of anger. Allah says, leave me with this one. Let me deal with it myself. SubhanAllah. We will raise them rank by rank by rank, take them up the ladder little by little by little from where they, can't even, they won't even know. What is, this concept of istidraj is something that got coined in Islamic philosophy and scholars talk about it often. Daraja in Arabic is to go up the stairs, daraka is to go down the stairs. So when you're going levels and levels and levels lower than daraka. Like لكن المنافقين في الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ من النار. right but درجات يرفع الله الذين آمنوا منكم وعملوا darajat. درجات درجة goes up دَرَكَة goes down now نستدرجهم is to slowly take someone up the ranks so this guy has wealth Allah gives him more wealth more power more status more wealth more power more status and the more wealth he gets the more sins he does the more power he gets the more sins he does the more opportunity he gets, the more evil he does, and Allah says, "Do it, go ahead, do it. Take more, Take more, take more. We will bring them up. And by the way, the higher up you go, and then the ladder is pulled from underneath you, the harder your crash. So Allah says, "Yeah, yeah, let, let me leave me with him. Let him do some more. Let him dig his hole deeper. و, you know, and I will fill them with hope. I will fill them with hope and i will give them extra time Amla la yumli also means i'll give them extra time In Nakaidi matin my plot my plan and my scheme against them is powerful it's unbreakable matin is used for like like you know they say hablun matin a rope that can't be cut a rope that doesn't break like the anchor to a ship it doesn't break that's matin okay so in Nakaidi matin my my plan is uh undamageable am aluhum ajran are you asking them for money when you give da'wah to them, you recite Qur'an to them at the end. You know when poets used to recite, they used to ask, spare change please. Nowadays you go to certain, certain cities, you'll have a guy playing the violin or singing a song, and he's got this box in front of him, people throw coins in there. Right? You think you're just doing this for their entertainment? You th- they th- are you asking them for compensation? فَهُمْ And out of the penalty that you have to pay, maghram like gharama, maghram the penalty there are burdened so heavily by it that the burden is so much you ask for so much money in exchange for your you know your recitation your performance am or is it the case that they own some part of the unseen for hum then they get to write what's going to happen fasbir li hukmi rabbik then you just remain patient until the verdict of your master comes. I, I translated the word until, even though you don't see hatta here, because this lam fasbir li hukmirabik. This is actually the same kind of lam that was there. I didn't discuss it in Surah Talaq. Li uh, okay. Uh, th- this is called lam atoqit, lam to give deadlines. So give, be patient until the command of your master comes. And don't be like the person, the, what the, 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 accompanier of the whale. Sahib al Who's, who, who's being referred to? Yeah. Yunus alayhi salam. Don't be like him. You know, Yunus alayhi salam, his other name is Dhun-Noon. His other name is Dhun-Noon. And Noon is one of the old words in Arabic for whale. The surah began, Noon. It ends with Dhun-Noon. There's a consistency between where it begins and where it ends, too. Anyhow, مكذوم, when he made a call and he was completely swallowed. Swallowed by what? The whale. ربه, had it not been for a favor of your favor from his master that took care of him, that let him come down. daraka Now daraja Sanastadriju was on the one hand, to let him come down from the belly, belly of the whale bil بِالْعَرَائِ he would have definitely been thrown in, in the nakedness بِالْعَرَاب means he himself also the land he would have been thrown in was complete, would have been completely barren with no food or water meaning the whale could have dropped him off and regurgitated him on a desert island where there is no food and he could have been destroyed that way huwa and he, even then he would have been blameworthy even then he would have been blameworthy Fajtabahu Rabbuhu. But no, the, the his master chose him for the good qualities that he had. Ijtiba means to choose somebody because of their good qualities. Fajalahu salihin that he made him from among those that are righteous. And it's almost as though those who disbelieve, they want to make you slip with their eyes. As is to make look at somebody like so intimidating like you're about to attack them and you become so conscious of the fact that you're looking at them, you trip over something. Because of the way they're looking at you. Like, is that guy looking at you? They're all staring at the Prophet ﷺ. And this looking, looking itself is one of the great manifestations in Qur'an of, of pride. The way you look at someone. Just the way you look at someone. is mentioned in multiple occasions. The facial expressions you have when you look at someone. نظر He looked at him. And he just kind of stared, you know. So ma Then he thought about it, made some measure, made some calculations. Here la They look at you. They want you. They want you to make to, to make you fall out of fear because of the intimidating look that they give you. It says that the eyes say it all. La When when the when they hear the reminder, the ultimate reminder, they say this. Yeah, Allah mentions this because. You know when the way people look at you, they can insult you without saying a word, just by looking at you a certain way. Oh, here he goes again. Psh, roll the eyes, <laughs> Hate, hateful eyes, hateful glares, stares. You know, and you can sense them. You can tell when somebody's looking at you hatefully. You know, so Allah says, Allah even captures that crime. One crime is they call them insane. But before they even open their mouth, they've committed a crime by even looking at you the wrong way. And they say, no doubt he's insane. He's lost his mind. A jinn has possessed him. His intellect has been overshadowed. Something has over, covered his intellect. It is nothing but a remembrance for all nations and all peoples. I'll conclude with a couple of comments. Allah gave his Messenger consolation that he's not insane at all and he gave him proof for that in the very beginning of the surah at the end he mentions that they call you insane he brought back the subject of insanity again but he brought it back in such a beautiful way Allah has already relieved the Prophet of this thought Allah has already consoled him by telling him you're not insane at all so now it doesn't matter if they say you're insane so by the, by the end when they, they call him insane it doesn't really hurt him anymore because he's already been reaffirmed and reassured by Allah himself. The other beautiful thing here is again, just like we saw before, there are two parts of guidance. there's the messenger and the message. They're inseparable. The surah began by highlighting the power of the message itself, the messenger himself,, it was the messenger himself. But the surah ends by highlighting the Quran itself,. The is nothing but a reminder for all nations and all peoples. These two things, just like they are two parts of the Surah, they are two parts of guidance. The one who is delivering it has amazing character, and then this message itself—how can this be considered a lie? How can this be word of insanity? Those two things, you know, beautifully joined together. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim, wana wa iya'kum bil-ayati wa dzik al-Hakim. wa rahmatullahi wa